I'm Jesse. Welcome to Red Cloaks Radio, where we are counting down to see if the Massachusetts legislature will or will not pass the Roe Act before the end of this legislative session. It's July 17th, and I am joined fantastically by... Hi, I'm Karen, and I'm from Billerica. I'm a member of the Billerica Democratic Town Committee and a Boston Red Cloak. Hi, and I'm Linda. I'm from Indivisible Acton, and I'm also on the Acton Democratic Town Committee. So here it is July 17th, and we are getting closer and closer to the end of the legislative session. It's been a really packed week. We've all been at lots of meetings. And Linda, I thought we could start with you, if you don't mind, filling us in on what happened at the Roe Coalition meeting. It was very focused on trying to get representatives to talk to Representative Claire Cronin, who is chair of the Judiciary um, Committee, and also to talk to Speaker DeLeo to get, uh, well, the purpose of talking to Claire Cronin would be to get the Roe Act voted out of committee where it's been for over a year. And then just the next step would be to talk to um, Representative or Speaker of the House DeLeo to bring it to the vote to the floor for a vote once it gets out of, voted out of committee. The first step is to get it voted out of committee and then bring it to the floor for a vote. So um, there's, I think, 114 co-sponsors and they're trying to get uh, people to contact every one of those co-sponsors and have them talk to Representative Cronin and say, hey, we really need to get this out of committee and get to the floor to the vote before the end of the legislative session, which is July 31st. Two things I've noticed have come up in this week's actions. One is people thinking about whether um, it can get to the floor so that even if it didn't pass, which I certainly hope it does, but even if it didn't pass, we would know which of the people who are supporting it actually vote yes on the floor. If they did a roll call vote, we would know when it's time for election, which people voted yes and which people voted no. And whichever side of the issue you're on, it would be some transparency. The other thing people are talking about has been the desire to keep the bill as written with no amendments. So I think there's been some conversations this week about whether it's time as we get closer to the end of the session to maybe make compromises. Would there be edits? Have you heard any information or thoughts or strategy on that topic? I think Jamie, uh, Senator Jamie Eldridge said that he would not like to see any amendments. And I don't think the ROAC coalition would like to see any amendments because it waters down the bill. And every part of the bill is so important that if you take one part out, um, we would have to just go back and try to fix it again. Which would mean going all the way back to where we were last January, starting to launch it all over again, and then it would have to be referred to a committee, there'd have to be a hearing, right? right? That's, you have to start all over. Right, exactly. So we've worked on this for well over a year. Um, I think that there should be no amendments, as is the bill is very well written, and it covers all the areas that really protect and expand abortion access in Massachusetts, which is exactly what we need. And uh, I think that's the hope that it's gonna go forward as is. To play devil's advocate, whether we agree with it or not, what would it look like if there were amendments? Would that mean that they could you know, decide they're just going to drop the part about the definitions? Or is it more likely they might be looking at the part about teenagers? Because it seems informally, at least in conversations with other voters, that some people still don't really fully understand what the judicial bypass is all about. So does anyone have thoughts or heard anything from people about that? I think that was the one that that 
um, some legislators have trouble with. And I think it's because they just don't understand that 75% um, of teens do have a supportive parent that they can approach, but the other 25% don't. And that these teens would be in more danger, not only if they're trying to approach their parents, they could come from an abusive home. If they're in foster care, their um, guardian cannot grant permission. And going to court can be traumatic. And uh, they're probably already uh, in a very vulnerable position, having found out that they were pregnant. And to go to before a judge is something that is so unnecessary and so burdensome. And 99.9% .9 of the time, the judge has granted permission for this young woman to get an abortion. So it's really a total waste of time. It harms the teenager not only um, by putting her through more traumatic experience, and it delays her getting the care that she needs. And it could mean a more riskier procedure because it takes a week or two to have that happen. I have an opinion, which is that the opposition has been flaying us alive with a thousand cuts since 1972. And maybe a tactic is to flay them back with a thousand cuts aimed at their misogynistic souls. I think that the teenager aspect of it, well-written, really important, just needs a lot more promotion and, explain, and explanations. I don't think it'd be so hard to get the 24-week ban uh, uh, dismissed because when you start to talk fatal-fetal anomaly, more people get it. If you say the Massachusetts medical system has turned its back on these women, it's easy to, it, it's a, a shock to believe it's true, but it is true and it's easier to wrap around uh, your mind. I'm not a legislator. I, I know the Roe Coalition is just all or nothing. I, I happen to think it would be a mistake. I think it's interesting to think about because whatever happens when we look back, if it doesn't pass, we're going to be whatever it's called in sports land, you know, when you're quarterbacking after the game is over and you're trying to figure out what needs to happen. And this particular part of it seems like it's come up a lot, even for friends of mine who are very pro-choice. There's this piece of them as parents where they have trouble letting go of their own wishes. They wish their child, if it were them, would come to them. And they don't always think about it until you've had a whole conversation that if your child doesn't come to you, if they really don't, you have to think about where do you want them to go? Would you rather have them go to a trusted doctor or would you rather have them go to court? Because there is something that seems like punishment. Sending someone to court feels like you're putting them into the legal system. And when do you go there? You go there when you've done something wrong. So it sends a very specific message. I've found that when I have the conversation with someone and they really think about it, they're able to get around. Oh yeah, even if my very own kid didn't go to me, I would rather have them go to a doctor when I have to make a choice. The other issue is otherwise they're going to potentially try to end the pregnancy on their own. And they look things up on the internet and can end up being really self-harmed. So that helps people understand it. The other is forget getting people to think about, but what about not your kid? What about someone else, someone else's child? Linda, I think you've had a lot of conversations like that with people over the year. How do you feel like people react around teens? 
I think they hadn't really thought about it. And I think that you're right. You think of um, your own situation and you have to get out of that situation, especially if you're a male, you really have to get out of that situation because you are never going to get pregnant. Well, unless you're transgender. Um, and, and, but for a traditional male, they're never going to be in that situation. And so they have, they, it's really hard for them to know what they would do in that situation. You know, um, and especially if they have a daughter or a granddaughter, yes, you would like to have them come to you during this difficult time, but the reality is you have to get out of your bubble and know that there are other things, other people who live in much different situations than you do. And those are the people that we really need to take care of. In terms of other things that came up in the coalition meeting, it sounds like the key strategy is really trying to have everyone ask their own legislator to reach out to the co-chairs of the Judiciary Committee, Claire Cronin and Jamie Eldridge, and to ask them to please report it out favorably, get it to the floor for a vote. And I understand that also you're having a phone banks, so that phone banks are another strategy. Correct. And I think the focus is more on Claire Cronin because it, we're focused on the House. And I, I did a phone bank the other night. Um, and uh, people are answering the phones more um, and they're friendlier, not always an easy conversation, but they do have a great system where if someone does agree to call their legislator, you can either patch them right through and so they get to leave a message with their legislator right then and there, or you have their phone number handy and their email handy so that you can give the person that information. And even if that person doesn't make that call tonight, that night, then the hope is they at least are more aware of this issue and maybe they'll make a call next week. You know? And so there are several phone banks coming up and I would highly recommend them. You get a little training beforehand. Um, all you need is a computer and a phone and that's it. And it's, it's really worth it because I've talked to my, le I have two great legislators. I have Tammy Govea and Jamie Eldridge. So my talking to them, um, is not that great a use of my time or their time because they know exactly how I feel and I know both of them are working hard, especially Tammy Govea is working extremely hard to get this thing passed. And she has spoken to Claire Cronin and she has spoken to uh, Speaker DeLeo. So uh, I, that's why I'm reaching out to other people in the phone banks. The other thing that I do is I post all over um, Facebook. And if somebody likes my post, and my post will say, call your state representative. If they like my post, that's great. But they're going to get a message from me saying, I'm so glad you liked my post. Have you called your representative yet? Have you asked three people to call their representatives? So that it's really easy on Facebook just to like a post. But you need to follow through with, if you're going to like that post, that means to me that you're going to, you don't only like that post, but you're actually going to think about and follow through on doing exactly what that post was asking you to do, and that's to call your representative and ask them just to speak with um, Representative Claire Cronin. So, and it's worked really well. I've had one candidate who's running for office. Uh, her name is Jay Lang Rowe, and she's running in, uh, in the Nor Northborough area. And she uh, messaged me back, and she's part of the Metro West Commission for Women. And she said, I'll reach out to some of my uh, members and some of her members have actually emailed me and said, I've talked to my representative. 
And it's not appropriate for Jalen Rowe to call the person that she's trying to um, unseat. Well, actually, this, this person is resigning anyways. But she was very generous and um, was reaching out to her network. So I think it's a matter of networking and re getting out of sight of just, I live in Acton, I have great representatives who are supporting this. What about all the other representatives and what about all the other people out there that we need to reach and call their representatives to know that this is a really important issue, not just in Acton or Concord, where I happen to have most of my networking in, but all across the state. We've just been joined by Martha from the <laughs> Road Close. Welcome, Martha. Hi, how are you? So happy to be able to be here. Just a comment because they were saying that when, P, when the parents, uh, they, they, don't, they don't come to you, well, there's a, there has to be a reason why they don't come to you. Either they're too shy, either they're too introverted, or they don't trust you. There has to be, but that brings a whole new situation. Why the, and you go like, why do they trust me? And then it brings a lot of issues that instead of trying to help the person that needs that abortion, you, you go into other things and it becomes a giant issue instead of just trying to help that little girl to get either an abortion or not, trying to help her. But as I have said on other times, it's not that if she's able or she's mature to have an abortion. The question is, is she able and is she mature to have a child, to be a mother for the rest of her life? To be a mother at 13, 14, 15, even 18. Well said, well said. And that conversation, which has to be had over and over and over again with legislators to have them understand that whatever their first take on the situation is, that's not how they should set a policy for the whole state. Whatever their personal first take is, they've got to separate and think about all of the teens in the situation. And how do you do something that's going to take care of all of them? It's and also, um, remember when we went to the state house, we went and there was this representative and we talked to him and then he said, I'm gonna ask my wife. Okay, if you have to ask your wife, then you shouldn't be here. Your wife should be legislating, not you. If you have to go ask your mother, your wife, your daughter, then I'm sorry, you need to go, we need somebody new. Or we need a woman who is able to give an opinion on this because they have the experience, positive or negative, of the situation. Linda, you mentioned something before that I'd love your take on, which was that the focus right now is really on the House and not in the Senate. And I've noticed that there seems to be greater confidence that the senators are on board and would support passage as written, and that there's more challenges in the House. And yet we've got these elections coming up where there's a bunch of people running contested elections. Do you have any thoughts about how that adds pressure in a positive or negative way to passing the Roe Act? Um, I think it could add some pressure to some of those legislate that in, legislators in the House. The other thing is, I think why it's not, um, the focus might be on the House is because it has to pass the House 
first, and also the um, Senate is 36 Democrats and four Republicans. So just you know, on that basis, I think it's more likely uh, easier to pass in the Senate, whereas in the House, it's a little more mixed and there's more people. So there's more people, to, uh, legislators to talk to and to reach out to and with different viewpoints. But there are quite a few representatives who are up for re-election or are not, or who are retiring. And lots of women who are running on pro-choice platforms, which is really, really very exciting. In fact, there's so many women, I have a hard time figuring out whose campaign can I work on? <laughs> it's nice to have a wide range of people that you can support. Exactly. Really nice. And I think a lot of people are paying attention to what's happening at the Supreme Court. And as Martha has pointed out earlier, in the lower courts where a lot of conservative appointments have been made that impact our lives. And when, when litigation comes up, you could find your case in federal court. And if Trump is appointed, people who are anti-choice don't expect a interpretation of the laws that are beneficial to people who are seeking reproductive care, birth control, abortion, anything. It's been a big week. And again, it's July 17th as we're chatting about this. There's still half a month to go is the positive way to look at it. But our days are, are counting down and we will keep following what is happening. Thank you so much for being here today, Linda, and for everything you've done all week. Thank you very much, Jesse. It's a pleasure. And nice to see you too, Martha. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Jesse. And it was too good to see you all. Good to see you all.